Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Yeah, we had a great intro last week from Christian. A summer in Galatia. What a place to be in Galatia. Who knows what Galatia is? Did you hear last week when Christian was saying to us, central Turkey area, somewhere we, is, it's known to be, hot, hot, hot. Uh, if you like the sun, it's a good place to be. If you like the sea, it's not a good place to be because it's right in the middle of Turkey. But this is a letter to Galatia that we're looking to, and it's written by Paul. Paul, as you probably are aware, is responsible for about maybe 20, 25% of the New Testament. So quite a big deal as far as the Bible is concerned, right? Do you agree with that? Great. We're all unique, aren't we? Would you say that? We are all different. There's nothing the same about us as we look around the room. Uh, You might remember years ago, I think it was years ago, that they they talked about um, cloning sheep, yeah? Can you remember that? Cloning sheep and stuff. Then they talked about the ethics and all the rest of it. Can we clone people and all the rest? Well, a bit awkward and doing that sort of stuff. But even if they did, they wouldn't be the same. They might look the same and all the rest of it, but what makes us us is the difference of us, right? There's only one of each of us. It's the same with things like guitars or pieces of art. There's an original. There's the first one that sets, the, this, that sets it apart from everything else. You can make copies. You can change things. You can tweak stuff and all the rest of it. But at the end of the day, the original is the original, and it's the only thing there, right? Okay. Put this into the context of the gospel. There's only one gospel, okay? There's only one gospel. That's the title for today's message. There's only one gospel. Let's go to our passage, Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 to 10. This is Paul writing, don't forget, and he says this. He says, I am astonished. (laughs) I'm astonished. My dad used to say that, didn't he? Astonished. Other versions say shocked. Message says, I can't believe it. Who knows who Victor Meldrew is? I don't believe it. You can't believe it that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preached to you, sorry, Let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say it again. If anyone is preaching to you a different gospel other than the one you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Paul can't believe how fast the people of Galatia have turned. And they've done it quickly. It's like a football fan. Sometimes you can get football fans who I call flaky. Will be They'll have a, a shirt on of their team and all the rest of it. They're doing well and they're super into and all the rest of it. Only for them to start to lose a few games. The other team's doing well. They've changed the shirt. Now, if that's you, I'm disappointed in you. I hope it isn't. As far as I'm concerned, when you pick a team, that's your team. It's not like that. So Paul's tradition here is normally when he opens his letter is to come with greetings, come with, hey, great, I'm thankful for you. It's all good stuff when he opens up his letters. How do I know that? A few examples. Romans 1 verse 8 starts with, first I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. 
He's thanking them, thanking them. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 4 says, I will always thank my God for you because of his grace given to you through Christ Jesus. Philippians 1 verse 3 says, I thank my God every time I remember you. But here he is, not going to the, the thankfulness and the pleasantries and all of that. It's, I can't believe it. I'm astonished that you're turning from the message that you know to be true. Paul needs to get straight down to business. He knows what it's like to get straight down to business. Have you ever been in a meeting where it's straight down to business? There's no sort of, okay, good to see you. How's your weekend been? All the rest of it. It's straight down to business. I remember once we were at work. I was with my old boss, Nick. We went into a meeting, and normally this consultant who we'd see, it was an M&E consultant, electrical contract and all that sort of stuff. Normally this consultant would have said, yeah, great to see you. Normally friendly, very pleasant guy and all the rest of it, but he was a bit held back. He was a bit reserved that day, and we thought, what's going on here? Anyways, we sat down, and then the mechanical boys came in because they're always the bad guys. They sat down. They sat down around the table, and it was almost like it was meeting time, and Boom, he just came out. He went, the fingers were out. You boys, blah, 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 blah. And it wasn't against the electrical. We were, on the, we were in the, you know, the good books at that point. So I raised my eyebrows to turn at Nick and give him the nod of approval. Nick had disappeared to make a cup of tea at the back. You know, ding, 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 around the back. Flipping out, Nick, not now. But that was what he did. So it was quite amusing to us. But it's that, it's that thought of straight down to business. He needed to get something off his chest and needed to do it there and then. That's what Paul's doing here. He's getting it off his chest. Can't believe it. Can't believe it. You've turned so quickly, and more importantly, that, more importantly to a different gospel. Well, what is our gospel, first of all? We can talk about the gospel, but what is our gospel? First of all, let's look at that right now. Sometimes we think we're good people. We think we're all okay. We're, we're you know, we're we're good, you know, we've done nothing majorly wrong, and sometimes we can think that's okay. You know, it's rare that, that, that someone will say that they're a bad person. You, you don't hear that too often. I'm, I'm an awful person. They don't. There's, they always think that we're something good about us. But the Bible tells us that we've all fallen short, right? The Bible tells us that, all of us. There's no one in here who's exempt from that. There's no one outside of these doors that is exempt from that. We've all fallen short. The Bible is clear, and it's something that needs to be taken very seriously because of sin. That's why we've fallen short. Sin entered the world at the very beginning through Adam and Eve. We all get that sin through inheritance of it. We're sinful by nature. It's in us. We've got the ability to do right, but we've also got the ability to do wrong. We are sin, and we are full of sin. And sin separates us from God. Sin can't be in God's presence. There's a separation, a gap there. There had to be a remedy. There had to be something that filled that gap, restored that gap, restored the relationship with God. There needed to be a price, a cost, a sacrifice. And his name was Jesus. His name was Jesus. The wages of sin is death. The Bible tells us that. But the gospel is Jesus coming down to earth. Dying on a cross for our sin, something that he didn't deserve but went through willingly on our behalf. Conquered death and then rising again. That's the miracle. I said that last week. If that wasn't the truth, we didn't believe it. Why are we all here? It's all about Jesus. But in rising from the dead, we get to share in his victory. We get to share in his victory through nothing that we can do. And it's all free. <laughs> it costs us nothing. 
costs us zero. God knew we couldn't do it ourselves, so he had to sort it out for us. He had to make a way for relationship to be restored. Even though we're all unique, we're all not wired the same way, like it or not, we're all wired in a way to have a relationship with God. We're all made that way. God made us that way to have a relationship with him. So what happens is if, if people aren't having a relationship with him, that void is filled with other stuff. And that's where all the mess comes in. That's where all the stuff you get from addiction or, or affairs, all this sort of stuff gets, gets filled with things that shouldn't be there because there's a void there that needs to be filled with God. And that's where this whole gospel comes in. doesn't matter what your history is, what wrong you've done. doesn't matter what scale or even how high up the charts of badness you think you sit on. God gave his son for the whosoever, the whosoever. And that is grace. That's the gospel, and that's good news. The gospel literally translated is good news. I love good news. I hope you like good news too. And it all points to Jesus, who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except by me. There's no credit system in place for all the good things you've done. There's not a certain amount of charity that you can do to buy your way to heaven. There's not a bank account in the world that will get you there either. There's only Jesus. There's only Jesus. So back to the passage, verse 7. Paul wants to make clear that any other gospel that differs from Christ born, lived, died, and resurrected is actually not a different gospel, but no gospel at all. <laughs> There's only one gospel. He's being clear here. But others are preaching a different gospel. They've turned the attention of the Galatians. They've turned, their, their eyes have been turned. And there's biblical warnings for that for us. Not just for them then, it's here for us now that there is false teaching out there. You know, the devil will try and do anything he can to distract you, to derail you, to move you away from the things of God. That's his mission. He will bring anything in. He will make people think a certain way, maybe even interpret Scripture in a certain way that is completely against what Scripture actually uh, teaches. The devil will be all over that like a rash. And the problem is with us today that the world is, does have so much deception in it. <laughs> Everywhere you look, there's something that makes it all better, makes you better. Something you can do that, that makes all your problems go away. It, it, it makes you better. It makes you feel good. It makes you feel encouraged. It makes you feel attractive. It makes you feel this. It makes you feel this. It's all about you. It's turning its attention to you. And sometimes the, the gospel message can get distorted as well based on similar things. For example, a good people gospel. We're all good people, really. Sure, we've all made mistakes, we've all slipped up from time to time and all the rest of it, but deep down, I'm a really good person. I'm a really good person and I think that's going to be enough for me. I'll be okay. But then you, hit, you get hit with Psalm 14 verse 3 which says, All have turned away, all have become corrupt, there's no one who does good, not even one. Woo! Who's thinking they're good? The Bible's clear. All of us have. All. There's no, there's no sum. It's all. What about a, a be true to yourself gospel? <laughs> just be your authentic self, you know. God created you that way, so just embrace it. Just embrace it. Follow your heart. Follow your dreams. It'll all be okay based on that. 
And there's nothing wrong with following your dreams. Nothing wrong with those things. But the Bible says in Jeremiah 17 verse 9 that the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? <laughs> so the Bible is clear here about certain things. You may have heard talk about the prosperity gospel. <laughs> I heard Brian Houston say there's no prosperity gospel. There's only one gospel, as in the gospel. But there is a message that is preached about health, wealth, and happiness. Now, just to be clear, we aren't that church. We aren't a prosperity preaching church. We don't believe that once you become a Christian, for example, that all your problems go away that everything is okay, that your health is okay, that your bank account suddenly gets zipped up to zero, 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 thousands or whatever pounds. And neither do we believe that you're going to have a fully life of, of happiness. Why? Because Mark 8 verse 34 says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Taking up their cross, see that's a symbol of, of not nice stuff. There's going to be hardship. There's going to be tough times. There's going to be times where you might suffer. There's going to be times it's going to be easy. It's going to be uncomfortable. I'm not saying that it's promised to be that way, but there will be times at times that you will have some hurdles to get over, things to get through. There's only one gospel. It can get distorted. It can get distorted. So we're hearing these different things hearing different messages, hearing different things that turn our attention from what the gospel says can bring in what? <laughs> can bring in what? Can bring in doubt, right? Doubt. I'm sure you've all experienced doubt, right? At times you've, you've maybe questioned things. Doubt can creep any, into anything in life, anything in life. You could be minding your own business and boom, suddenly, oh, really? You know, you start asking the questions. Is that actually okay? Is that really safe? For example, I love flying airplanes, I love flying, the whole takeoff, the, through the air, the landing, all that sort of thing, until I started flying with my wife, Helen, for the first time. Well, Helen doesn't mind flying so much, she's not, she's not afraid of it, she doesn't like the taking off really so much, she doesn't like the landing, okay? So I love the experience, but when I first flew with Helen, every noise, what was that noise? You know, the, the old hand comes across, what was that noise? And that's okay, it's the wheels going up, you know. Oh, what's that noise? It's the flaps coming up and all the rest of it. And then there's these noises that I couldn't answer the question of, but I never really thought about before. What's that noise? Is the engine okay? I was like, hey, yeah, yeah, it's all right. You start, you start to look out the, the window, yeah, it's no smoke. There's no smoke. In my mind, I'm not saying it out loud, there's no smoke. No, no smoke. Can you remember the Friends scene? Don't judge me about Friends. I know, you know, and all the rest of it. But there's the Friends scene about the phalange. Yeah, phalange, you remember that? Yeah? Doubt came in there, right? And then suddenly before you knew it, the whole plane's in fact, well, there's no flange on the plane, and they all get off. Doubt creeps in, doesn't it? And it's the same with everything in life. There's a great example of doubt in the Bible. I don't know where you've heard of doubting Thomas. Yeah? <laughs> who, has, who hasn't? Maybe I should get who hasn't hands up. John 20, verse 24 to 29 says this. Now, Thomas, who is also known as Didymus, and I think that translates as a twin, so he, he perhaps had a twin brother. I don't know. The Bible doesn't clarify that other than saying Didymus is a twin. One of the twelve was not, was with, sorry, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. He'd just been resurrected. He'd come back to life and he was now appearing to people and the disciples being part of that group, okay? But Thomas wasn't there when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side because he was stabbed by a spear at the end. I will not believe. 
A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Here we have somebody who was actually living with Jesus, had hung out with Jesus, had been with Jesus, had seen the teachings of Jesus or heard them. He'd seen him do many, many amazing things. He'd, he'd been, uh, he, he knew what was prophesied. He knew that Christ was here on a mission. And Jesus even said to them, it'll be a day when I'm going to go, but don't worry, I'm going to come back. He knew all this stuff and knew the teaching, but still, I want to see, I want to see, I want to see for myself. I want to feel for myself. I want to see it. I won't believe it until I see it. I can't get my head around that because I always put it in my, con my own context. If that was me hanging out with Jesus, because we'd all love to have a day with Jesus, I would. You know, right here, physical human being. If we could all have that, we'd all believe, wouldn't we? Would we? And here we have somebody who did, who was questioning the resurrection himself. He was doubting. He was doubting. And that can happen to us. It can be something that we can all step into, the realm of doubt. Is this even all real? Sometimes when God isn't answering our prayers, are you even there, God? Do you hear me? Those questions creep in, don't they, when we don't see the results that we want to see. Who's asked questions? Who's asked questions? <laughs> I should get you all to put your hands up, you know, because you should all have your hands up. We all must have asked questions at some time. Even I've, even I, like I'm like something great, I'm not. Even I've asked questions. Even I've asked questions. We all have asked questions. All have asked questions. But what do we do with doubt? Well, faith comes from hearing the Word of God. Romans 10 verse 12 says this. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the Word of about Christ, about hearing, not just about hearing, but it's asking you to do a thing, go to the scriptures, work through it, I have friends that have camped out in a couple of places, not literal camping, figuratively speaking, and here's what I've heard in the past, I would be fully in, Tim, with all this Christianity stuff, fully in, the whole shebang, if Jesus was to turn up right here in front of me, and do some of that Jesus magic, that's their words, Jesus magic that you lot speak about. Now, just to be clear, magic isn't appearing, you know, magic is making something appear real that isn't real, right? It's an illusion. We're talking about miracles here, Jesus' miracles, making the impossible possible. But that's what they've said. I've had that multiple times to people. You've probably had that yourself. If he was here, well, look, he was in front of Thomas, and Thomas still doubted. There needs to be a time when it comes from here and drops into here, okay? It needs to go from head knowledge to heart knowledge, because that's when it clicks. That's when it goes. That's when it sits real in your heart. And there's plenty more lines, I'm sure, that you've heard over the years, all pointing towards dark doubt. I once heard a, a pastor say that if we had the proof, we wouldn't need the faith. <laughs> that's pretty cool. If we had the proof, we wouldn't need the faith. Your kids are sometimes the ones that, if you've got kids, 
can be the someone times the ones who bring out the good questions, can't they? You know, where did God come from? <laughs> ben was our main one, actually, believe it or not. You know, Jack just sort of not sailed through, I don't mean it that way, but Ben was the one who asked the questions. Why and what if and all those sort of things. And they can test your own, you know, your own face. Oh, yeah, good question. Blind, where did that come from? You know, and, but you, you look to the Lord for these answers. And that's what happens in verse 29 of that passage of John 20, where he said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. There are those that have seen. They saw him come back and believe. But blessed are those that haven't seen. Blessed are those. That's me. That's you. We've not seen that physical reincarnation. Our faith is what stands strong. Our faith is what can be tested. And it all points to Hebrews 11 verse 1, doesn't it? Now faith is is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. I don't think doubt is an enemy of faith, but more of a kind of weird friendship. (laughs) One of those friendships that you see you know shouldn't work. They shouldn't work. They shouldn't go together, but they kind of do. They kind of strangely do work out. Two completely different entities that pull against each other, but yet, through doubt, we can come deeper into faith. So what do we do with doubt? Well, we walk through it. We walk through it. We don't turn our back on it. The Galatians turned their back on it and went in a different direction. But if doubt creeps in, we do not turn our back on it. We walk through it with our eyes fixed on Jesus on the other side. Because he will bless you through that. There will be a blessing on the other side as you work and work your way through this. We read earlier about reading the scriptures. It is God speaking. It's his word and it is alive. That's why he gave it to us. It is as relevant then as it is now. I, I always smile to myself when people talk about the Bible being irrelevant in today's day and age. Well, we worship. We look, well, we love a God who is the Alpha and the Omega. He knew the beginning and the end. Now, if he didn't know the end, then why is he writing the book for us then that was going to change later on? He didn't. It's for here and it's for now, and it will stay the same as it is today as it will be tomorrow. We need to understand that, okay? Do not let anybody who says that the Bible is irrelevant and old hat and all those sort of things enter your mind. And if they do, go to God with it because he will show you and he will reveal to you the truth of it. I can promise you that. Paul, in his letter to Galatia, is keen to make sure that the Galatians know that there is only the one gospel. Jesus answered, and we read this earlier, that, and sorry, Jesus answered in, in John 14, verse 6. He answered a question by saying this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. There's only two options with the gospel. It's either true and we need to set up and pay attention. So when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, it's either true or it isn't. So we either need to sit up and pay attention to this message or it's all a load of rubbish and Jesus was a crazy guy who managed to convince people to follow him. One of them being his brother. Now, if it was my brother, I'd be doing everything in my power to defunct that myth, right? I'd be doing everything. Trust me, who has a brother? If you have a brother, you wind each other up. You're giving each other some stick. It's what we do, isn't it? It's what brothers, even my brothers and sisters, you give each other some stick, and I will be giving him some grief. But he doesn't. He's with him fully in this mission. It's either true or it isn't. You know, some of the disciples actually were uh, martyred for their faith later on. This is after Jesus had ascended to heaven. Were martyred, killed in some nasty ways. 
Now, if ever there was a time to bail out, that was then. If ever there was a time to say, you know what, <laughs> okay, it was a good run. We had a good run, everybody. Forget it. Yeah, we, we never believed in the first place. If ever there was a time there was, but they didn't, they died for their faith, which to me sort of just adds to it. It adds to all of this story. This is recorded. This is recorded. It adds to the story of Christ's realness, of Christ's credentials, all those sort of things, and why I have the faith that I have. So doubt is going to come. It is going to come. If you haven't experienced it already, it will come. The Galatians aren't unique people here. That's why it's in the Bible here. Don't run from doubt. Do not run from doubt. Don't turn your back on Jesus. Instead, embrace it. Embrace doubt. Go to him. Go to his word, the Bible. This gospel message is worth knowing about. It's life-changing. It's eternity-confirming. And it's hope-giving. See, God loves us so much that he gave his son. But he loves us just as you are. But he loves you too much to leave you as you are. He's got more for you in this life. He's got more for each of you. All we need to do is just come to him with open hearts, open arms, and say, Lord, just show me. Show me what it is that you want me to do. Guide me in your ways. Guide me in your path. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Now, I think it's interesting that, that Paul rounds off that passage between verses 6 and 10 by saying in verse 10, am I now trying to win approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I was still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of God. <laughs> Who's a crowd pleaser? Any crowd pleasers? I used to be a crowd pleaser. I used to like making sure everybody was okay. My dad used to rip me up because I wanted to be the one to throw the ball in when they kicked it out because someone was injured, you know, because I was the one to get the claps. <laughs> All right, yeah, no problem. Crowd pleasers, right? Crowd pleasers. Paul knows that the gospel message is not crowd pleasing. It can actually be offensive to people. What? I'm not good enough? You mean I can't do, you know, I can't use my skills to, to, to be good enough? No, you can't. Only Jesus is the key. Only Jesus is the one. You will offend some people. <laughs> it will happen. It will happen. It does happen. A lot of people are offended by the gospel. But the gospel is good news. And there is an eternity waiting for you who have stepped into faith. That's the good news about this whole word. Whatever you hear and take from today, know that Jesus died for you. Regardless of your background, regardless of what you did, Christ did it for you. He was obedient even unto death. Can you imagine coming down or going somewhere knowing that it was going to end with you, with you dying cruelly? I, I can't imagine that. I can't imagine knowing that that's what's going to happen at the end of the day. But yet he served, yet he loved, yet he showed us how to serve, how to love. An example that he set for us still, in my mind, when I humanize it, it's still within the back of the mind that it's all going to end with a cruel death. Now when I say end, he's going to have to go through a cruel death. He's going to have to go through some stuff, some pain, 
some turmoil, and it's going to be excruciating. But still, because he loved us, he went through it for us. Now, I don't know where you are on your journey. I don't even know if you're in faith, so to speak, that you've become a Christian. But I want to give you that opportunity this morning to do so. I don't know whether you've, you've been here a hundred times and you've heard the messages and you think they're all feel-good. They're feel-good messages. I feel good about it. But you've not actually stepped in to a time of faith, a moment of faith when it's, stopped, when it's dropped from your head into your heart. And this might be that day. God's been talking to you. God's been ministering to you. And, and now you know that this is the moment I need to make a decision about my future, <laughs> literally. I need to make a decision about my future. With every head bowed and every eye closed, and I'm just going to invite you to, to do something. And I don't, I'm not going to embarrass anybody. I'm, I'm not here to, to sort of, you know, uh, point out and, and name or anything along those, along those lines. But we do want to pray for you. We do want to pray for you. So in this moment of quietness around the room, if you want to step into a life of Jesus, this, this Jesus who loves you, this Jesus who gave his life for you, this Jesus who, who wants the, the best for you, because there's plans that God has for you in place, and you're yet to step into them. If that's you this morning, why don't you just, just quickly raise your hand so I can, I can pray where you are. Thank you. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, anyone else this morning? Yeah, I see you. I see you. Yes, Father, thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for responses this morning, Lord. We thank you, God, that people come into you. We pray, Lord, that this would be a real situation, Lord, as they accept you into their lives. Father, I pray, Lord, as, as we pray this morning, Father, Lord, that they would just make a decision today that they are going to follow you. They're making a decision today that they're going to step more into the word of God. Find out more about you, Lord. And Lord, that you would minister to them. Lord, that they would use them to do your work. Father, thank you, Lord, that you sent your son to die on a cross for us, each one in this room. I thank you for those that have already stepped into a life with you. But Lord, for these people stepping in today, Father, we celebrate with them. We celebrate with them because they are stepping into a beautiful, beautiful moment of their life. So God, right now, would you come into their lives as they ask you to enter in, as they confess sin before you, Lord, as they say, I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry, God, for all that I have done. Lord, I receive this amazing Savior of Christ into my life. And we all said together,